So when you were in school, did any like urban legends circulate? Yeah, I mean like lots. It was the 90s. All we had were urban what legends. What was Yeah, well what was, what was the one that like kind of scared you the most? So my elementary school had like an upper and lower school, mm-hmm. like physically upper and lower. It was mm-hmm. um, on a hill. So, and there were two gyms, but they were on both in the upper school. Yeah. So we had the small gym and the big gym, right? Mm-hmm. So under the small gym, this bu- this building was built in the thirties, right? Okay. And so you could see kind of under the small gym mm-hmm. that there was like, there's a, there was like a grate and you could see like that there was something below. Yeah. And you could see where it used to not be a gym, but some sort of like warehouse or like some sort of like storage space or whatever, because there was a section of the floor that yeah. was a different color. And we, the the legend at the school was that you could somehow find a way to open that trap door and go down there. Nice. And like the rumors were that there was like some sort of goat man or like some sort of serial killer or whatever, you know, like it, it changed over time. But yeah. like I grew up, the, the neighborhood I grew up in, that was... We lived in the same neighborhood as a school, obviously, and so, like, we would all go over there and play, but we would always try to, like, sneak into the small gym and figure out how to get in there. Nice. And everybody claimed that they saw, like, something with red eyes underneath the gym at night. Of course. Yeah. Of course they did. Because what, what is an urban legend if it doesn't grow and evolve through, like, a game of telephone? Yeah. Um, at my how about you? Yeah. At my school, we had, um, it was less specific than that. It was more broad. It was something that I think everyone heard of but the one that scared me the most was bloody mary oh sure yeah classic where you would say classic. her name at night three times in the mirror and she would appear did you ever do it i thought about it um that, that's a no then yeah no i didn't i didn't <laughs> but i definitely like you know i had a moment where i thought about it but the fact that i didn't do it means it scared the shit out of me and it still kind of <laughs> does like i think that that whole idea and and you know i think that uh is is a huge reason why this movie that we're talking about is just like on a very surface level, like the idea of it's kind of scary. Totally. You know? Yeah. It grips you in a certain, like a really um, visceral and like primal way, I yeah. think. Hey, babe. Yeah, babe. Remember that time we watched Candyman? You mean the 1992 supernatural horror film written and directed by Bernard Rose? Yeah. You know, I would say that that Candyman can scare me. Wow. The Candyman can. I, I always think about Christina Aguilera's song, Candyman. Oh, oh yeah. That was fine. <laughs> um, Who can put a hook in? Pull your guts <laughs> apart. Amazing. Who can make it? Who can be so scary in the middle of the night? Nope. Who can wake you up and give... I'm, I'm well, while you there. workshop I'm that, there. while you workshop that, we are going to be doing the normal format here, which we'll in pops case... out the mirror and will give you such a start. The Candyman. Amazing, gold, platinum, platinum, triple platinum. We the best, <laughs> fellow Palestinian DJ Khaled. <laughs> we depressed. We depressed. <laughs> depressed. Another one. Um... <laughs> Me with my Lexapro. Another one. <laughs> So, the normal format, uh, what is that? Where DJ so- Khaled comes in, tells us all about what's going to happen, and just yells at us. Right? That's what we do here? Right. We're Khaled right. babes? DJ Khaled. Um, anyway. Uh, 
So Topher will take us through who made this thing, shout out the casting crew, and then I'll take us through the plot. And then in our third segment, we'll talk about said plot and go into a deeper analysis. So without further ado, Topher, who made this thing? DJ Khaled! I wish. That'd be dope. I want to let DJ Khaled make a horror movie. Be fun, right? I would be interested in his perspective. It I'm not going to lie. It would be terrible, but I yeah. would enjoy it. I I'm would not watch gonna it lie. five times. <laughs> I'd be intrigued enough to see it. Yeah. Uh, no, as you said, Bernard Rose. Yeah, as you said, Bernard Rose was the uh, director and writer here. Um, it's based on a story by his good buddy, Clive Barker. Called like The Forbidden or yeah. something? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was a short story based in uh, Clive Barker's native England, uh, mm-hmm. especially around the town he grew up in. It was all about sort of like class disparity. Got it. Um, I yeah, we were talking about this. A uh, good friend of the pod, Steph, who recommended Freaky, took all our photos. Um, and he's a real will, one. He's <laughs> our favorite person. I love him to death. So he and I were talking yesterday. He loves the movie Nightbreed. It's one of his favorite horror films. Oh yeah, nice. Um, and I'm a huge fan of Hellraiser. Uh, and so we were just talking about Clyde Barker yesterday while I was at work. He came by to visit me, and um, we were just, like, going in on Clyde Barker because I told him we had just rewatched this. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, fuck, that movie's so good, though. And so we started talking about all of the, like, the original story and everything, and then, like, how Clyde Barker's homosexuality influenced this and, like, how he really grew up. Like, there's all this stuff about Clyde Barker that I was learning. Like, I didn't realize that he was a sex worker when he was younger. I... Did not know that either. And it definitely <laughs> tells you a lot about, like, how he perceives horror. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I've always, I was saying that I've always liked him more as a uh, fiction writer than I have as a director. Yeah. Even though I love two of his movies, I just, you know, it it didn't hit as hard. Fair. Our cast, we have Virginia Madsen, who is, like, is a spot-on Gillian Anderson. Like, I can't unsee it. Every single time I'm like, that's not Gillian Anderson, then my brain goes, but yeah, it is. Um, But she plays our lead, Helen Lyle. This was one of her big breaks after she did Dune with David Lynch. Oh, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, she's in the original Dune, which I have not seen, but I do know that she was a bit of a Lynch girl uh, to begin with. She also did Sideways. She's... She's had a huge career. I'm, Uh I'm, I'm very happy for her because I think she's a great actor. We had uh, the iconic Tony Todd as the Candyman. Daniel Robitaille. Did you know that originally Eddie Murphy was going to play that role? I've heard this, yeah. But his salary was too high. Allegedly. I don't know if this is actually true. It makes sense. He'd done Coming to America, Beverly Hills Cop 1 and 2. And maybe even three by that point, he'd done what uh, trading places. He was a huge. He was already on, already had been on SNL. Like, yeah, Murphy was a hot get in the early nineties. Yeah, so they couldn't um, they couldn't afford him basically. But he was originally going to play this role. But no, um, Tony Todd does like such a fantastic Can't job. Can't even imagine Eddie Murphy in this. I like it would just be a comedy. Like I don't I see him playing straight like that. You know, like I just can't on here like donkey or. He's do yeah. He's not Candyman the way, at least the way that um, he's played is is very menacing. And I just I I don't know. My brain won't put Eddie Murphy in the menacing category. Like Keith David could have done it. I would have loved Keith David in this. Mm-hmm. Maybe Carl Weathers, but I don't think Carl Weathers Weathers has the gravitas. Right. It's the voice and the like stage presence because it is so. That's why I say Keith, Keith David as well because they are both like accomplished stage actors and vocal actors. Yeah, no, it's like fucking Tony Todd came out of the the Eugene O'Neill. There are just some people who walk through this world with a very just like ethereal 
mm-hmm. thing about them, and that's kind of what this needs. And I don't think that Eddie Murphy particularly possesses that, but Tony Todd definitely does. He's he's so pretty too. Like he's a really pretty oh, man. Yeah. Definitely. Um, like he's striking, but you're terrified. But he's also like fucking six five. Eddie Murphy's like five two. He's not. He's probably like average height, but he looks really small. Like he doesn't say, have a presence, yeah. you know. Yeah, there's something. There's His something is about and like energetic. It's not physical. Yeah, he just works. Yeah, he just works in this role. Yeah, and I I love everything else I've seen him in. Like we, he plays Bloodworth in Final Destination. Yeah. And he gives his dramatic ass speeches. <laughs> yeah, that was one of my favorite parts of that movie. And I, I mean, I've always loved Candyman. It's been, I mean, it was one of those movies that was just omnipresent when I was a kid. You know, like it was the movie that was way too scary for us. But really, it was just that like we didn't understand the themes. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a very good, scary, very scary movie. But like, yeah, I think for some reason I underestimated it. I didn't. I, I don't know where I got this, but I thought that. I guess maybe when I was a kid, I heard it wasn't that scary. Maybe it was a kid just trying to be, like, really cool and tough. So, uh, or, like, saying it was stupid or something. So, I I didn't really I didn't really explore it for a long time. But, no, this is legitimately scary. Yeah, no, it holds up in a it lot does. of different ways. It does. For a movie from 1992, yeah. Yeah. It looks great. It feels great. It's spooky, but it's clever. And it's pretty, but it's ugly. Like, it's it's it, it lives in a lot of worlds. Yeah, and did you know that the bees are real? Yes. Um, they gave him a dental dam so that they wouldn't go down his mm-hmm. throat. But no, they um so this is kind of a fun like little little tidbit. They they had to breed bees specifically mm-hmm. for this movie. And Virginia Madsen is like crazy allergic to bees. Mm-hmm. So they had to breed like anti Well, so it's it's that they they did, it wasn't a new breed. It was that they had to get them when they were like super early hatched and they were non-stinging at the time because bees don't sting right out of the hatch. Yes, that is also true, but they also had to breed them specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to make clear, to be clear that it wasn't yeah. a new breed of bee. No, 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 yeah. no, no. Because if you, you, you can probably afford CGI before you can afford doing that. <laughs> doing um, full-on API... Uh, Sorry, that was unclear on my part. That was that's unrelated to her allergy. Um, her allergy was yeah, exactly what you said. But also, they had to spend a lot of time breeding bees specifically yes. for this movie. Yeah. Um, Although there were some bees that did sting, and Tony Todd got his on that. He's like, "I'll do the live bees, but you're paying me a grand for every time I get stung." For real though, like I mean, that's. He made they were in his fucking mouth. Mm-hmm. He got 23K for bee stings. I believe it. I would I, get stung 23 times for, for fucking $23,000. Like, yeah. I got money. I, I need money. I want I, me money giving. I want the money. Yeah. So sorry. I interjected with just that little. I found it interesting. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a, it's one of those fun facts that some people know about this movie. It's like one of the more common, like, or like more um, well-known stories about this movie. But it's definitely still like not a uh well in case you didn't know now you know exactly if you didn't know now you know now you know thank you biggie rest in peace, <laughs> rest in peace. that's my rest in peace for the episode <laughs> there you go. Smalls. <laughs> uh moving on we've got xander berkeley as the dirtbag trevor lyle helen's husband boo <laughs> fuck you trevor are you from philly that you just start booing people <laughs> look if someone deserves to get booed i'm a boo 
True. Boo. Fair. Boo, Trevor. Boo. This is why all your friends are from Jersey. Um, Casey Lemons as Helen's best friend and colleague, Bernadette Walsh. Mm-hmm. The amazing Vanessa Williams as single mother and tragic moment, Anne-Marie McCoy. Mm-hmm. And Dewan Guy as little Jake. He's so cute. So cute. He's adorable. Um, we have a nice cameo from Ted Raimi mm-hmm. in here as Billy. Um, I just thought that was really fun. I love that he's just like... Doing cameos. Just... Well, they're all friends. Again, this is like all these fucking nerds just hanging out. But yeah, the cinematography, which, good lord, I'm going to talk about a lot later, but Anthony Richmond kills the cinematography here. Mm-hmm. Um, he also shot Legally Blonde. Amazing. <laughs> which is not something I think of when I think of uh, the of great cinematography, but he, he did it. <laughs> I mean, I don't think there needs to be great cin- cinematography in Legally Blonde. That's no, not, that's really, not really the point. Yeah. Um, the 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 point of it is to not be seen. Yeah, um, he did this, but he did the Sandlot, Heart of Dark, the Heart of Darkness that they made for TV. He did uh, Cinderella Story, which is a great movie. Mm-hmm. Sweetest Thing, which is a weird one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, he's it. The 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 way this movie looks is just unbelievably good. Our special makeup effects supervisor deserves a shout out here for just how great all of that is, and mm-hmm. that's uh, Gary Tunnicliffe, I think mm-hmm. Tunnicliffe. Um, yeah, I just wanted to shout them out. Yeah. Editing was from Dan Ray. Mm-hmm. Again, very solid editing here. Mm-hmm. And he's done, he's he's well known in the horror world. He's done a lot of horror films um, yeah. as the editor. And then the music by one of my apps, I think my favorite composer after like Debussy, Philip Glass. Yeah, the music in this is pretty great. It's it's phenomenal. Like, I mean, Philip Glass is the the, the best uh, definitely the best living composer, and as far as I believe, you know. Right. Um, but you would know him best from his work on a little documentary called Koyanis Katsi, mm-hmm. which is his easily his. It's just like that. It's a. It's like a, a throat singing. You would know it if you heard it. Go look it up. If you can spell it, you can do it. Um, but it was <laughs> yeah about housing projects in um, in St. Louis. Yeah. And. Uh, he that's I think that's how he got famous in sort of mainstream world. It was that song was also featured in Watchmen. Yeah, um, it's been featured in a lot of different things, but it's yeah. They also hired him for the second Candyman. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are three. It's the only good part of the second Candyman. Yeah, there are three Candyman. Can, can, Candyman. Candy's man. Can, it's like yeah. Attorney's General. Got it. Uh, thank you. Um, Candy's man. Candy. There are three Candy's man that. <laughs> It doesn't even feel right. I know it's wrong. Um, How dare you. And then there's obviously the one that just came out, which we're super stoked to see. We have not had the chance yet, but um, we're definitely going to go and see it ASAP. Yes. Nita Costa. So stoked. Yeah. Yeah. I've read a lot of interviews with her about it, and I'm very excited to actually go and see it. And then we can talk about that one mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> in a different we're, episode. We're it. Come on. Definitely. So I... Just speaking of Philip Glass and how dope he is, <laughs> quote, according to him, so he said, this is what he said when he was asked about the movie. It has become a classic, so I still make money from that score. Get checks every year. That's it. Get your bag, <laughs> Philip Glass. Yes. He's just like, yeah, dude, I make fucking money off of this. Don't, don't fuck with me. Get like, that bag. I'm Philip Glass. I make money. I'm best friends with Chuck Close. There we go. Who's also one of my favorite artists. There we go. So it was initially screened at TIFF, 
mm-hmm. of all places, which I, I need to go to. I, I, I love TIFF and I miss it. Um, it's But yeah, Toronto International Film Festival. So fun. Such mm-hmm. a great time. So much good film. Um, but yeah, it got its wide release in the United States in October of 1992. Mm-hmm. Just in time for spooky season. Just in time. It's a nice smaller budget. It's about eight, nine million. Um, Again, real bees. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah, 200,000 real bees. And no um, Eddie Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> you, look, you get bees or you get Eddie. You got to make your call here. The bees Eddie. <laughs> Um, and it was a decent success at the box office, twenty six million. It's definitely made way more than that since. Yeah, um, for sure. It's yeah, it's a it's a huge huge movie. But yeah, I mean, uh, God, all I want to do, I just want to run a Tony Todd podcast. I just want to talk about him more. I love him so much. He makes me happy in my soul. Yeah. Maybe follow I'll do your that. dream. You know. <laughs> I just want to hang out with Tony Todd and John Carpenter all the time. Exactly. Follow your dreams. But anyhow, that's uh, that's all I have for now for who done did this. Uh, you want to tell us some more shit? You want to tell us what like what happens inside of it? What what goes what, what's a little uh, goes on in here? I think I can do that. Uh, first of all, I want to say I, I I forgot to say this up top. Um, dear listener Ryan was the one that mentioned that we should cover this. Oh yeah, that's right. It was a, it was a few months ago because um, they they said you know you guys should do this so that because the the new one's coming out so thank you Ryan, thank you Ryan always appreciated our number one fan genuinely yes we love we love Ryan so huge shout out okay so what happens in this film let's see um, we we meet start with a dope voiceover but from Tony Todd I know I know you yeah. want me to do it. I, I, you know, I feel like that is you following your dream, and I said follow your dream, so go for it. They will say that I have shed innocent blood. What's blood for, if not for shedding? With my hook for a hand, I'll split you from your groin to your gullet. I came for you. You know, this movie starts out really light and happy. <laughs> um. <laughs> this movie about a ghost serial killer who was wrongfully killed. <laughs> Right, yeah, it's, you know, it's a light plot. It's, you know, it's for the kids, for the kids. Not in the least inspired by Emmett Till. Right, I, yeah, that that name was, Jesus Christ. was begging to be brought up, definitely. Um, okay, so after that... <laughs> after um, Topher's voice, voiceovers. After that happens, um, we meet graduate student Helen Lyle, who is researching urban legends. Um, yeah, she's a semiotic student. She is, yeah, and we we meet her and fascinated by people who do semiotics. Mm-hmm. They're such cool people. <laughs> such cool people. <laughs> Rude. Um, such cool people. Um, so, and one of the professors is they're they're dating. We learn this, and we get this kind of yeah. yeah. Oh, they're married. Yeah, Trevor and Helen are married, dude. Oh, I didn't realize that little. Yeah, we detail. see their wedding. We see the wedding photo. Oh yeah, we do. You goober. Sorry, it's a detail. Calm down. Never. Um I've never been calling my life. Yeah. <laughs> um but so they're married, but like we get this kind of like weird scene where like he's I don't understand. The the man is not there it's his personality is not attractive. He's not like I don't get it. But all these students are like gaga over him. They're all like talking to him, like he's like the coolest professor ever. Yeah. And then there's this one that kind of like lingers, and Helen is like, "I'm keeping my eye on that one." Best watch where that pussy goes, bitch. Ooh. Um. But anyway, 
So we learn of the Candyman, a spirit who, when a person says his name five times to a mirror, just like Bloody Murray, um, appears and kills the summoner by using a hook attached to the bloody stump of his right arm. Mm-hmm. So um, <laughs> she is inspired to take on this project after learning about this woman named Clara, who was murdered in her suburban home while babysitting. And then she also learns from two cleaning ladies that uh, Ruthie Jean, a resident in the notorious Cabrini Green housing project, is rumored to have been killed by the Candyman. Um, and then she discovers there have been like 25 murders that happen in a similar way in that same area. Um, which I'm, I'm, I must add that Ruthie's death is is based on a real 911 call. Mm-hmm. Um, this woman said that someone, an intruder came into her house from the back of like the mirror, which like... Y'all, I rent apartments. I live in New York City, and I will never rent one now that has like a mirror that is facing another apartment. Yep. Like our, we have interior bathrooms in in this current apartment that we're in, but from this movie and then hearing where this story came from, and then I've also seen some fucking TikToks where people have taken off the van, the storage mirror, and seen. Sheesh. An empty, you know, like like they could see in the apartment that's like connected to it. And normally it's a rundown, not used apartment. Um, no, no way in hell will I ever rent an apartment that has like an outward facing. Yeah, it's a no for me, dog. It's a no for me, dog. Um, that's what I've learned here. That is. No, I'm just kidding. I've learned a lot. But that is one of the thing, one of the takeaways from this movie for me. But anyway, it was it was a it was a, a 911 call that she ended up getting murdered because the call got. I guess calls get. Uh, I didn't know this, but I guess calls get uh, streamlined into some sort of like category i guess of like emergence i guess they would have to do that right yeah yeah and it's yeah that's the word for it and this one got wrongfully put into like a disturbance yeah like mild street disturbance or something like that yeah a neighborhood so the police didn't show up for like three hours so by this time poor ruthie was dead shock and awe cops are bad at their jobs right do like literally do anything yeah. That's not just straight up like they treat their job. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, mm-hmm. you know that that cops troll neighborhoods all the time. We see them all the time. They're yeah, just trolling the neighborhoods cops. with like you know three 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 cop cars filled with people. They're just getting like fucking ice cream, um, just walking around or just like being intimidators down in the subway. And yet, it takes you how many hours to get mm-hmm. somewhere where someone's actually in trouble? Yep. Yeah. I, Maybe we shouldn't have any. Yeah. I, Just a random thought that I had that no one's ever said before, who's much <laughs> smarter than I am that I've learned from, that we maybe just should get rid of them. Anyway, yeah. ACAB. Completely useless. <laughs> Shock and awe. The horror babes hate cops. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, seen, seen, seen too much. Anyhow. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, where was I? So, Ruthie Jean, in we're back in this story, not in, in real life. Yeah. Um, so, th- she lived in the Cabrini Green housing project, and she was rumored to be killed by the Candyman. And we found, you know, like, 25 similar murders in that same area. And Helen's like, hmm, maybe I should, like, you know, go figure this I'm out. I'm going to go be a detective. Yeah, this is her first mistake. Um, well, no, her first mistake is getting married to that professor, but we're not going to talk about that um, <laughs> shell of a man. 
Maybe he makes a nice Branzino, you know? Fuck a Branzino. I love a a Branzino. What? Damn. Would you marry that man for a Branzino? Depends on how good it is. For a fish? Depends on how good it is and how often he makes it. Okay, we need to have a conversation about your standards, but we can do that later. (laughs) Um, We all know that my standards with men are trash. The bar is in hell. It really is. Um, I'm willing to sell my soul for Branzino. (laughs) That is sad. That is sad. I really like Branzino. (laughs) Good. There is not enough Branzino <laughs> in the world for me to be with that man. What the fuck? Yeah, and his name's Trevor. What are we doing here? What What, what is our job? What do we fucking do? So We've gotten through Helen, the first 30 seconds of the movie. <laughs> look, you're the one who brought Branzino into this. You could have um, let that slide. No, how? <laughs> it's a fish, it's slippery. <laughs> Okay, yeah, you just killed it. Anyway, so Helen and her friend Bernadette. I love that name. I love the name Bernadette. Oh, yeah. Um, Peters. We love a Bernadette. They repeat the uh, Candyman's name into um, Helen's bathroom mirror, uh, except Bernadette doesn't say it the fifth time. Yeah, she stops at four. That is an important detail. Uh, But nothing, nothing immediately happens, I'll say. Um, Or else the movie would just end. Yeah. Like, oh, it's not real. That's our thesis. Mm -hmm. Um, So Helen and Bernadette are working together on this thesis of how the residents of Cabrini Green use the Candyman legend to cope with hardship. Yeah, that it's it's a it's an interesting thesis that you use urban legends to sort of move yourself away. Like it, it helps remove the pain, I guess, of being. From like generational trauma. trauma. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's the that. Thank you. That's what I was, I was trying to say. So they both go and visit the scene of Ruthie Jean's murder, and um, Helen finds this room again behind um, a vanity mirror mm-hmm. um, in the in the bathroom. Yeah, so yeah, she she realized she realizes that the the construction is the same as the high end building that she lives in. Yes, as opposed to the projects house that's Cabrini Green. It's the same architect. Yes. And, yeah. That is a good thing to note, that she lives in the gentrified part of town. Yes. That is not by accident. (laughs) No, definitely. That is very deliberate. So, Helen discovers this room where, I guess the best word for it are, like, offerings have been left for the Candyman. Yeah. It looks like, like, yeah, there's, like, paintings. Like, she comes out of his mouth in a nice little foreshadow. I love um, that part. That's a really great shot yeah, right it's, there. Oh, this, everything about this is fucking perfect. It's all shot on Super 8, too, which is, God, yes, please shoot more things in Super 8. Yeah, because the backstory of Candyman, the whole um, origin story yeah, is that... Yeah, we get that, the, the, the dinner with uh, uh, fucking uh, Michael Culkin yeah. <laughs> doing his biggest uh, uh, Stephen Fry impression. Well, um, he was a painter. Right. And um, he got a white woman pregnant... And that's where they cut off his his hand mm-hmm. and covered him in honey. Shoved a hook in the stump, by the way. Yeah, yeah, that's where the hook came from. Uh, covered him in honey and just let the bees go. Mm-hmm. And he was attacked by bees. So. And then um, they and then they burned him. Yeah. And scattered his ashes where Cabrini Green would eventually be built. Which is why he's there. Yeah. Supposedly. Trauma. Yeah. So. Also, is the implication that his mother was raped by his master? I think that is definitely implied for sure. Because his master um, frees him because it's his son, right? Yeah. But then it would there's no consent in a master-slave relationship. Correct. So 
you're led to believe that yes, it's a real Thomas Jefferson uh, situation. Yes, so mm-hmm. um, I would I would say yeah to that. Let's see. After this, they meet Ruthie Jean's neighbor Anne Marie McCoy, who is a single mother raising her her cute little son Anthony. He's so cute. They they did good casting. He's adorable little baby. Um, Both of the twins who played him were adorable. Also, look, I feel like I've said Candyman way more than five times. Let's hope that I'm... Well, there's no mirror, so... It's not like Beetlejuice. True. Yeah, maybe it's with the mirror that scares me, because Beetlejuice doesn't scare me. Well, Beetlejuice is just Michael Keaton have a randy old time. True. Um, Oh, shit, did we say it three times? Shit. We've said a lot of things three times, (laughs) five times, ten times. So, Helen uh, goes back to Cabrini Green... Where she meets the cute little boy, Jake. She does. And he, he starts talking about Candyman and says, you know, that uh, like he's here. He's here. And then we, uh, we're we in like a like a restroom, right? Like yeah, one of it's those like an outdoor, outdoor yeah. like, um, like a park bathroom. Things that they have in the park, yeah. Um, she's attacked by a man who calls himself the Candyman. And she, she just, she gets like a black eye or something. Like, or yeah, like he a hits slash. her in the face with the hook. Yeah, but she, she survives. She identifies the attacker, who turns out to be the head of a gang called the Overlords. Yeah, and so the the cop who's the detective who's on the case is like, yeah. oh yeah, like we finally thank you for helping us out because <laughs> we tried to get him a while back, but no one would roll on him, but you will. Yeah. White lady. Yep. Um, <laughs> we will full protection of the law. Yeah, I would say we will get into that later. Um, the police assume he is responsible for like all the murders, pretty mm-hmm. much. But however, the real Candyman appears to Helen in a mm. parking garage and hypnotizes her, which is really a really a cool like little you know like um, characteristic of his that yeah, he hypnotizes I... his victims or you know to do his dirty work pretty much. But yeah, it was nice that Bernard Rose decided that that was what he wanted to do instead of having it be like chases and screams and all that. He's like, no, I'm going to get weird with it. It's an interesting take on it, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Um, instead of just following the typical formula of like, I don't know, this movie kind of crosses lines between being like kind of a slasher, but then like an urban legend haunting. Mm-hmm. Like it kind of, it doesn't have like a very specific genre because it's kind of supernatural. So I don't know. Um, but anyway, it's fun. He explains that because she has discredited his legend that he must shed innocent blood to perpetuate it. Yeah, and she has to do it because she's mm-hmm. the one who fucked up, so it's her turn. It's her turn. Uh, so she blacks out but wakes up in Anne Marie's apartment covered in blood to find Anne Marie's pet Rottweiler has been decapitated and her son Anthony has been stolen. Yeah, we're initially led to believe that it's the baby that's dead. But it's, yeah. It's like, leave the dogs, leave the pets alone. I'm exhausted. <laughs> um, but so Anne Marie attacks Helen rightfully so oh totally bitch what the fuck and then the police arrest helen because they walk in and she has like a meat cleaver in her hand Mm -hmm. um and there's blood everywhere so hello but of course trevor bails her out of jail which again this has white privilege painted all over it she this is like just a side thing but she calls him he doesn't answer Mm -hmm. we see the uh, empty fully made bed Mm-hmm. And she asks the cop, like, what time is it? And she goes, it's 3 a.m. Yeah. And, and why? He's not yeah, there. she doesn't see the bed, obviously, but she's we like. We do. Yeah. yeah. Nice little bit dramatic irony there. 
Yeah. And again, he bails her out of jail. Again, white privilege written all over this. Mm-hmm. Um, if if Anne-Marie had gotten a... Anne-Marie wouldn't have even gotten arrested if the tables were turned, let's be honest. Worse things would have happened. Yes. Is what I mean by that. Mm-hmm. So Helen looks at photographic slides taken during her first visit to Cabrini Green and finds that one contains the candy man. Yeah, he, it's what she takes a photo of the mirror and he's behind her. Yeah, that's a little, that's a, that's a chilling moment. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then he appears inside Helen's apartment and cuts her neck, causing her to bleed and pass out. Bernadette um, gets to Helen's apartment and um, she's like whispering like please don't come in he's here don't come in he's here but yeah can't fully phonate because she's been slashed in the neck yeah um, and is you know losing and a lot of blood also and hypnotized yes yeah all of those things leading to her not really being able to say anything really she's using all of her might to just get words out we see Bern- we see Bernadette come inside um, the apartment. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of funny because I'm I'm just gonna I was reading an interview with Nia DaCosta who who um did the uh, the 2021 Candyman yeah. the one yeah, that the just sequel. came out yeah and she was like black people shouldn't be in horror films because they would never it, they see something suspicious and say hell no and just <laughs> you, you know like she was like we're not gonna go into the haunted house we're not gonna go and do this you know like stupid shit. I mean, it's Winston Duke and us. Oh, hell no. We're not doing this. And it's what's so amazing about the only thing that we know right now about Jordan Peele's next project is that it's entitled, that it's title is Nope. (laughs) I'm I'm so excited for it. Um, And, and she like, she has a, she has a point, but also um, Bernadette gets a little too curious and walks into the apartment. But again, she's just checking on her friend. So I don't know. It's not quite the same, but unfortunately, Bernadette is killed and Helen realizes it when she kind of, you know, comes back to consciousness and she's framed for the crime. She's sedated, taken to a psychiatric hospital where she's in restraints. So then a month, a full ass month later, she's just been drugged enough to where a whole fucking month passes. Mm -hmm. Scary, crazy. Wow. Psychiatrist Dr. Burke interviews her to prepare her for her upcoming trial. They're saying, you know, we want, we need to see if you are fit to be yeah, tried. Yeah, if you're psychiatrically fit, yeah. Yeah. Um, so she attempts to prove her innocence by summoning the Candyman, who appears and murders Dr. Burke, allowing her to escape despite being framed for Burke's murder. She returns to her apartment to find this motherfucker, Trevor, now living with Stacy, a student Pain of his. It, her, their apartment, Pepto Bismol Pink. Girl, no taste. None. She and literally also, said, like, she, Helen's over here making I, jokes now. She's like, I hate the color scheme. <laughs> You're like, not a fan of the color scheme. Bruh. <laughs> like, this piece of shit, man. Helen confronts him, obviously, and then, but then runs away to Cabrini Green to confront the Candyman and rescue Anthony. When she finds the Candyman in his lair, which I haven't used that word in forever, but mm-hmm. it's very fun. Love that word. Um, he tells her that surrendering to him will ensure Anthony's safety. Yeah, he's that's his that's his offer, right? Is you be immortal with me forever, and I'll save the child. Yes. Um, he opens his coat, revealing a rib cage wreathed in bees, just covered in bees. Yeah. He's just bee man now. Bees. Um, the bees. Beads? Bees. 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 
bees. Um, the bees pour out of his mouth as he kisses her and stream down her throat. He vanishes with Anthony, and Helen awakes to discover a mural of the Candyman and his lover, who bears a striking resemblance to her. This is just the mummy. Yeah. It is a lot like <laughs> the mummy. Um, That's so, the plot of the mummy. <laughs> is that he wants his, he wants his, uh, he wants his girl back. Well, the mummy came after this, right? The original one was in the 20s or something like that. 20s oh. or 30s, and it was the same plot. Gotcha. The one in 99 is basically just a remake. Oh, gotcha. Mm-hmm. The Candyman promises to release Anthony if Helen helps him strike fear into Cabrini Green's re- residence. In order to feed his legend, he goes back on his word. Yeah. He's like, nope. So he uh, tries to kill both Helen and Anthony in a bonfire. Yeah, it's the one that they built up outside of Cabrini Green. Yeah. And uh, cute little Jakey sees her hook that she's using to go save Anthony. Yeah. Like she's using the hook to pull things, but he sees it and goes, the candy man's here. Mm -hmm. And then the candy man is destroyed by the flames and Helen saves Anthony, but dies from her severe burns. Um, the residents led by Anne-Marie go to Helen's funeral to pay but, their respects. Yeah, which we, we, we'll talk about that. Uh, yeah, arguably. Yeah. yeah, I don't I don't fully. Yeah. Yeah, Trevor be fucked up about this, as he should. Motherfucker, you should suffer. Why would you do that to someone? You didn't actually love her. Fuck off. Um, but anyway, fuck a brand, Zeno. Um, <laughs> Trevor looks into the mirror and says Helen's name five times. And then Helen's vengeful spirit, which, God, another, like, just phrase that I love. A vengeful, vengeful spirit. spirit. Like, yes, if that doesn't get you in the mood, I don't know what will. Oh, I'm, I'm hot. I'm ready to trot. <laughs> so she kills him with a hook. <laughs> she kills him with a hook. Um, <laughs> Trevor deserved it. I'm sorry. I'm not Facts. sorry. I'm not sorry. Fuck Trevor. Fuck a Branzino. And <laughs> in the can, if I say Branzino one more time, I'm probably going to die. Um, <laughs> no, I'll just make you fish for dinner. <laughs> No, I don't. I don't want fish for dinner. Um, in the Candyman's former lair, a new mural of Helen, dressed in white with her hair ablaze, is seen, implying that she now belongs to the local folklore. And that is the end of our movie. Yep. I'm gonna say right off the bat that I, I, I'm, I really, I really liked this one because I do think that it has very scary elements to it in in a lot of different ways oh absolutely it's a fantastic visually we've got some good moments um mentally we've got some good moments and then also just historically and um like social commentary social commentary is also pretty profound and horrifying at the same time oh absolutely yeah so i love that that this on so many levels is pretty horrifying yeah, I, it's it's a movie that I I've always loved. I like I said, I grew up with this movie. I think it's fantastic. I I love really everything that like it does. You know, yeah. like I think it's just a solid movie up and down. Because yeah, it does. It is scary. It is pretty. It is like just I don't know. It's fucking great. Um, it it the writing is really well done. The acting is fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, there's there's no part of this movie that I don't think is, like, just on fucking point, you know? Yeah, and I am glad that we are kind of, you know, rehashing it with, like, a spiritual sequel to it, which is yeah. what they've called um, the 2021 um Yeah, version. it feels more like a like an Evil Dead. Yeah. To, to the Evil Dead yeah, situation. Yeah, because even though, even though this one is 
for 1992, it's 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 saying a lot. It's you a know? really progressive film. It's an aggressive film. It just takes, yeah. what was the word you used earlier? Skittish. It's a little yeah. skittish when it comes to certain things. Like it doesn't completely face or completely make its point in certain ways, but... I'm, uh, but I also kind of have to look at it in the context of coming out in 1992. That's it was bold for that. That's you pretty know? bold already. But yeah, I think I think if we're we're looking at it from a lens of like 2021, I'm like, eh, it's a little it's a little skittish and not completely making its point. But that's why I'm again glad that we're kind of you know rehashing it in 2021. Yeah, in, it's, in a it's worth way. it's worth praising it for what it did while still commenting on where it doesn't go far enough. Yeah, it's 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 lacking in certain ways. Mm-hmm. But no, I mean it, it's a it's a strong commentary on systemic racism, mm-hmm. um, and it's great that they took it from a just a story about class in Liverpool, yeah, to adapt it into a major uh, horror film mm-hmm. that says, "Oh no, we're only going to give you two kills." Yeah, mm-hmm. it's going to be scary, but you only get two kills. The rest is going to be talking about systemic racism, and particularly in Chicago, where that is a yeah. huge like it's obviously a huge thing on all of America. But Chicago is like known for having some of the most like disparate, yeah, uh, 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 like the biggest disparity between um, white and black in a lot of ways. Yeah, and an interesting parallel that I found in this movie between between Candyman and Helen is that. So I'll I'll start with I'll start with Candyman. So what happens to him happens because he got a white woman pregnant, right? Yeah, he was in love with a white woman. Who knows if she was crying uh, wolf in a way? Yeah, but it's it implies in a it implies in a way that like that was consensual. Yes. Right. Yes. So like we, are, we understand it to be yeah we understand it to be consensual, but yet. Society would view Candyman as being somewhere where he's not supposed to be, mm-hmm. um, even though this was consensual, as far as we know. But then Helen, similarly, was where she wasn't supposed to be, and yet nobody at Cabrini wanted her there. It yes. was not consensual. Nice, yeah. We see that from the beginning. We see that when they first show up, and they're like. It's the five zero, like no, like we don't want you. They make it very clear that they do not want Helen on the mm-hmm. premises. Yeah. So, it's interesting to me that both of our main characters here were quote unquote, and I have to say that because of Candyman's situation, where they weren't supposed to be. Right. And yet one was consensual, and the other certainly was not. Yeah, no, she was not wanted. And, no. uh, and yet kept Daniel crying. Robitaille is the Candyman's original name. Um, oh, okay. Mm, he was desired. Yeah, he was desired. She, they, they did not want her there at all. But he was also, you know, yeah, he's a slave freed and raised into aristocracy, uh, which is another space he quote unquote shouldn't be at that time. And I don't mean that as a, uh, I'm not, I am mentioning those terms, not using them, right? But like, yeah, how they would have seen it, how society would have seen it at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I love calling out Helen's white savior behavior. Yes, you know, like she's like, no, I'm gonna save everybody. I'm gonna do these. Th- I, I'm, I'm gonna tell the story of this black project mm-hmm. house. It's like, okay, yeah, I see you, and I appreciate that you're trying to do the right thing, but maybe figure out how to do the right thing. Maybe ask somebody how to do the right thing. Don't just assume you know it. Eh? Exactly. It it's, goes... Yeah, it's something we saw a lot in the last uh, couple of years with um, the uprisings around the around the country 
mm-hmm. over racial injustice and police brutality. Yeah. Um, it's something that we're that white folks in general have not been good at is listening mm-hmm. and supporting as opposed to like saying we're leading the way. It's like, nope, we're not this time. We are back. We are right there next are, to everybody. But this yeah. is not our fucking this is not our fight to direct. It's our fight to fight, but not our fight to direct. Yeah, we can get on the train, but we are not the train conductor. Yes. And we should we should get on the train, I should say. <laughs> um, Best. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I, she definitely has that white savior. Like the way she speaks arc. with Anne Marie, the way she speaks with Jake, the way mm-hmm. she is all about Anthony, like with her best friend who's black who she's not listening to. Yes. Um, and like Bernadette's down to do the thesis, but she's also like, dude, we're not. This is like, yeah, we need to be careful about we how need we to be go smart. about this. Yes, be smart. Be, and that doesn't just mean like be safe. Which it means pay attention. Which kind of goes back to the whole Nia DaCosta thing that, you know, she she said it in a funny way, like, you know, uh, Scream 2, where um, our our token black guy gets in the taxi and is like, never seen like, again. Yeah, he gets out of Dodge. <laughs> um, and he's and, and she was like, Scream is, you know, one of my favorite franchises, you know, and, and she was like, she it, it paints how we feel about those situations perfectly. And something that she goes on to say that ties really well into this movie is that she says black people have been taught every single day that, you know, that the world is hard enough and the world is dark enough that um, we have to think about our survival constantly. Mm -hmm. So with with. Bernadette kind of being like, well, yeah, I'm interested and want to do this thesis, but we need to be smart. The juxtaposition of that is Helen thinking that, you know, it's this inherent thing as a white person that you think that you're somewhat invincible. Yes. And that bad things won't happen to you. Whiteness is a certain type of armor. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's a great way to put it. Um, So... I really appreciate this movie for kind of really exploring that notion. And I mean, there's so much to be talked about in this movie about um, the, the social commentary, but I think that that is definitely a part of it in Helen's characterization and it's contrasted by Bernadette's hesitancy to actually let her do it. Yeah. I struggle with what this movie is saying Mm -hmm. at times, so sure. going back to the funeral scene, and I'm going to tie that into sort of my overarching question about this movie. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people do interpret the movie, the the, the final scene, or not, it's not the final scene, that's the that's when she kills uh, Trevor, piece of shit. It's before out. our traditional horror, like, ending, ending. Like, it's yeah. the end of the, it's, it's, yeah. It's the end of the story. Yeah. So when they go to the funeral, yes. um, Anne-Marie and Jake and the, and the residents of Cabrini Green, a lot of people think that that is them forgiving her and recognizing that she didn't do these things and that mm-hmm. it was, in fact, the Candyman. I disagree. And it comes down to Vanessa Williams' face and, and uh, the, the kid Jake's yeah. faces. Mm-hmm. And that he throws her weapon in there. Mm-hmm. Yes, she saved Anthony. They will give her the acknowledgement that she did a good thing. They also still think that she did a lot of bad things. Um, and I think it's it's anointing her as the new Candyman. I don't think it's forgiveness. Yeah. It's anointing her. There is nothing on their faces that say forgiveness to me. Not, a, not an ounce, no. There, there is no... 
There is no remorse on their face, like, directed at her. Like, there is no, no. remorse. There, there is remorse for the things that she imposed upon them. Mm-hmm. That they had to go through all these things because, again, she had this messy white savior behavior. And really, it just fucked with their whole community. Yeah. And so there's remorse about that on their face, but there is no remorse on their face directed at her. And there is nothing on their faces say anything about forgiveness to me. No. Um, It's anger, if if nothing else. Yes. Uh, Maybe a touch of respect in a certain way. Yeah. Of like, okay, yeah, we are scared of you, but you also did a good thing, but also you did bad things. It's a very complicated thing. It's complicated. That's the way I read it, but I think that the movie, I think what the movie really is saying is... Is forgiveness. Yeah, because she's redeemed, right? Helen does a bad thing, is punished for the bad thing. Saves the baby, does a good thing, dies for doing the good thing. Yeah, it's a sacrifice arc. It's a redemption. It's a very brief redemption arc. And I think that's what the movie's saying. And so I think that the movie is wrong for saying that because that's also white savior behavior from Bernard Rose. He's like, oh, yeah, no, the white person did the good thing in the end. So they get to they get the the, the bronze oh, yeah. medal, you know? Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with you there. I don't I don't like her being forgiven for that because she fucked up. I, I don't. Yeah. I, I don't care if she, in the end, saved the baby. She she shouldn't have been messing with what she was messing with, and it's it's really unfair that because she didn't believe in this, and that she didn't believe black women. Exactly. Literally, like they they tell her like don't yep. fuck with the two different black three different black women tell her not to fuck with this, and then a fourth does. And again, not listening. That's the two cleaning ladies, Bernadette and then Anne Marie, all say don't fuck with this. It's, and she yeah. just says, no, but I'm gonna. No, 100%. And it's, yeah, so like, I, do, I don't forgive her. I don't no, think anyone no. should. It's not our place to, but I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't, but you know. Hell no. It's, yeah, it's, 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 not, it's not our place to forgive her, but it's also, yeah, I wouldn't, I don't blame anyone for not. Yeah. And uh, it, it's, it's a little confusing narrative. It's a very good movie. The narrative is confusing. Agreed. Like, I don't. We were talking about this uh, off mic ahead of the uh, earlier today, but it was, you know, what is it about, like, why is it that Candyman is, like, almost harming the pe- the people where he lives? And I think it's because he has no connection to them, right? Yeah. But he's a victim of systemic racism. They are victims of systemic racism. Mm-hmm. So I'm ho- I'm assuming that that's kind of be that's going to be what Nia DaCosta's Candyman is going to be. Yeah. Uh, that we're going to go see like tomorrow, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she didn't have time to get it in before this recording. Uh, but yeah, like it's one of those things where I think that if you th- it's it's a bit of white blindness, right? Yeah. That Bernard Rhodes has here that he mm-hmm. doesn't quote. He's almost there, you know. He's almost there, but you get, can't quite get to it. And my my best guess is for what he thought is that Candyman is just driven mad by the massive amount of pain and loss that he experienced, literally losing his wife and child, his hand, and then his life, while having it be sawed off. I'm sure with no anesthetic and covered in bees and stung to death. That sounds shitty. I, I watched My Girl. Oh, don't bring up my don't bring my girl. Into well, it was this. the same bee handler. <laughs> I'm sure Hollywood has like one bee handler. Like, why would you need more? Um, you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, I, I know a guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like we all know him, Joe. It's the same fucking guy. But I've got his number. We all do. We all have his number. It's on the back of all of our cards. Yeah, need a bee guy? That's him. Need a bee guy? That's him. I do want to look at this in context, though, of what came out that year. Mm-hmm. So. We also get... God, 92 was a great year for film. My Cousin Vinny, which is one of my favorite movies. Yeah. 
Reservoir Dogs, another one of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. Dra- uh, Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula, which is terrible but fun. It's like yeah. just camp, camp galore. Beethoven, Basic Instinct, Unforgiven, which is an incredible Western, redefined the Western in the 90s. Yeah. Few Good Men, R- League of Their Own, Batman Returns. Uh, but then you also had The Crying Game, mm-hmm. Aladdin, Single White Female, Sister Act, uh, Encino Man. Patriot Games, Mighty Ducks, The Bodyguard, Death Becomes Her, Army of Darkness, the original Buffy, the Vampire Slayer, Wayne's World, Chaplin, where Downey Jr. got the uh, got the Oscar. It's a really good it's year for media. Fire huh? Walk with Me. Oh, Home Alone yeah. Two: Lost in New York. Wow, wow, yeah, a lot of good movies came out. Malcolm in X came out that year. Lawnmower Man, that we're going to cover eventually, came out that year. Yeah, like Newsies came out that year. Mm. So, yeah, it was just, like, that's, that's like, half of the top 50 yeah. in popularity that mm-hmm. came out that year. I was just pulling from IMDb, but I was just, like, I was curious. I was, like, what movies came out in 1992? Holy shit, so many movies so that many. I love came out in 1992. Yeah, and this one is no exception. I think that, I think it's it's a really well done movie that, again, has its blind spots for sure. Yeah. Um, but, again, in 1992, it was pretty... I mean, that's it's it's pretty bold to make a movie. I mean, I read some scathing reviews saying that it's racist tripe and all this mess. Um, oh, God. From yeah. an old white man, too, of course. So I was just like, yeah, OK. Um, <laughs> I yeah, again, this movie is a little skittish in places, but for 1992, I'll I, take what it did, I'll, you know, yeah. like. It, it's certainly it. needed updating, and I'm glad it finally got that. Oh, White Men J- Can't Jump came out that year. Oh. Sorry. I'm just like, I'm still looking You're through. having a moment. <laughs> um. Honey, I blew up the kid. <laughs> Anyhow, yeah, no, I, I this is a, a forever watch for me, you know? Yeah. As much as it's connected to fictional stories, true stories, um, what it does for me, the way I feel when I watch it is just great. And I, it's one of the most successful uses of Super 8 uh, out there. Like mm-hmm. if you if you want to study how to shoot in Super 8, watch this movie. Um, it's used to just such perfect effect because it's such a lightweight camera that you get to use it. And like it's, Super 8 refers to the film, not the camera itself. But typically yeah. like, you use a lightweight camera with Super 8 because it's you want to have dynamics. Yeah. And it's such a flexible film that it lets you do that. Yeah. And it's just, it's, I will always and forever love Super 8. Um, and I rep- I appreciate J.J. Abrams, if nothing else, for making an anthology as a love letter to Super 8 millimeter film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess the, the, the main takeaway from this movie is listen to black people. Yeah, wow, weird that that is just a common thing that needs to be, that no one can fucking seem to learn. And is, yeah, is, is <laughs> listen if not... Listen to black women, they will tell you what's true. Yeah. And if if nothing, you know, like it's it's only becoming more more and more prevalent, right, and relevant. Mm-hmm. Like, listen to black people. Yeah, that's all I gotta say. <laughs> I can't top that. That's or else just you'll end it. up like Helen. <laughs> like, I don't know, you know, like with that's... your hair on fire and your hook hands, <laughs> married to the Candy Man. Exactly. I Which married, I married. I fucked around and I married the Candy Man. Which, I mean, don't get me wrong, but Candyman, like, Trevor was worse, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. Trevor was worse. But, I'm that's Candyman not didn't a, step out on her with a teeny bopper. Right? That's not the road I'm going down on, though. The road I'm going down on is listen to black people and cut out that white savior bullshit. Yes. 
You know, like I'm I, no none of the white savior bullshit anymore. Yep, that's a that's as good a note as any to end on. Listen, own up to your mistakes. Stop saying sorry. Say thank you and say move thank forward. you and move forward and stop crying. <laughs> yeah, quit choke back the tears, damn it. Yeah, Fuck off. Stop it with the with the uh, what are the crocodile tears? Mm-hmm. Nobody likes that. So thank you so much for listening today. You guys know where to find us, especially be on the lookout on Instagram. Um, we've got you know we're gonna, gonna we're gonna announce our theme. Uh, for October and we also a little bit sooner than that we're coming up on our 100th episode so we're going to be announcing a really fun giveaway mm-hmm. for you guys so you can find us on Instagram at Horror Babes Podcast you can find us on Twitter at Horror Babes Pod correct and as always we got a little website www.horrorbabespod.com facts and if you love us send them and if you love us send us some love give us a little rating a little review on iTunes tell your friends And stay safe out there, babes. Bye, Bye, babes. Hey, babe. Yeah, babe. Yeah, babe.